rephrase that. Most of the time, God doesn't... Oh, the kids can be released at this time. I forgot about that part. Most of the time, God doesn't show us his whole plan right up front. If he did, we'd be scared to death to step out of the slot water. You think God didn't show me that I was going to pastor a church right up front. At first, he told me how to call on my life I was going to preach. I was talking to someone about that this morning. And then he, he, he equipped me for that, and he got me ready for that. And as time went on, he showed me what I needed to know. We have to be obedient to step out of those things. When he shows you what you need to know and where you're supposed to be at, when he tells you to do something, you have to pick it up immediately to go with it. Amen. Right? Amen. Um, I'm going to relate this to the flesh man again today. Um, God gave this to me this morning as I was sitting here. He told me my, my sermon was going to be about obedience this week. I knew that on Monday, and I studied obedience all week. But when I came in this morning, put a little different spin on it. If I wanted to get stronger physically... Or in better shape, I'd do what? See, a few years ago, I decided that 235 was too heavy for my frame. And my belly hung too far over my belt. And 36s I was tired of wearing. Right? So I decided I'm going to do something about it. I started lifting weights in my house. Started lifting little dumbbells. Then I thought I'd run, but I was too fat and hurt my knees. I got shin splints all the time. Trying to run, but I was too, too far out of shape. So I got a bicycle, and I started riding around Walking Mill a couple of times. They had riding around town and stuff on the bicycle trails. Started doing those things. You get me? I'm going somewhere with this. Right. right. I lifted weights. I did cardio. I started burning more calories. The next step I did was I started eating better. I started watching what I was putting into myself. I was down to eating 1,000, 1,500 calories a day and between 20 and 30 grams of fat. And that's hard to do for when you're a fat boy at heart. When you like to indulge in the things that you like to indulge in, that's hard to do. Yes. Some of you know that. Try it out for a week. Try to eat a thousand calories a day. See where that gets you. That's a, that's a one foot long club, club or sandwich at Subway and then something else little. Maybe a chicken sandwich of chicken breast. Right? That's about a thousand calories or so. That's about, that's about what you're going to get. Anyways, try that out. Pro athletes, everything in the world revolves around this. If you're a professional athlete, if you really want to get in good shape, if you want to excel and be at the top of your game, you're going to, everything in your life is going to revolve around this. From the time you get to bed, you're going to sleep the right amount of hours, right? Yeah. You're going to, they have dietitians that are going, they're going to give them exactly the, the minerals and the nutrients and everything that they need, right? We have the Holy Ghost. He'll show you what you need in your life. He's going to give you everything that you need, exactly what you need to pour into your life, exactly what you need to ingest. He's going to show you the words to go to. He's going to put you around the people that you want that you need to be around. When you're a pro athlete, everything they do revolves around this. They get up, they work out, they work out all day long. You see, if they're going to fight three rounds, they'll practice for ten. They don't want to get wore out in the middle of the fight. They don't want to get battle weary. Are you understanding this to relate to the spiritual and the fleshly? Now, when you're a novice, it's something you do on the side, right? Are we, are we a novice or are we going for the pro realm here today? What are we going for here today in, in our obedience with God? How close do we want our relationship or our walk to be with God? Am I going to step out there and really do it? Is my, is my life going to revolve around what I can do for God? Or my relationship with God? Or is it going to be a, a relationship I have on the side? Right. Kind of a mistress type of thing. Is that what it's going to be? Yeah. Is that what your relationship with God is going to be? I lost 52 pounds during that time, and I had abs. I was in good shape. I could run two miles and be breathing through my nose. I was in pretty good shape for 35 years old, right? 
Well, I started slipping up. I decided, well, I don't, that's too hard to do all that and keep all that up. So the next thing, you know, I said, well, I'm going to start eating a little bit. I haven't really felt full in three years because I was eating a thousand calories a day. I hadn't really felt full in three years. So I went down and got me something big and I ate it all. Boy, I felt full then. And I didn't see anything happen immediately with my body. My abs were still there. It didn't hurt me too bad. One time. You get that? You get where I'm going with this. So I kept going. That food seemed rewarding. It seemed good at first. Sin may seem a little rewarding right off the bat. It looks enticing when you see it. I used a fishing lure one time to show I had a fishing lure for like this. And a fish doesn't really pay attention to that lure. You think it looks like a fish. It looks like what he wants to eat that's swimming through the water. Until he didn't see the big treble hooks hanging off the back of it until he strikes it. And then he's hung up on it. Right. You follow me? Yes. The same thing with sin. We may step out into it. Look at me now. I, I still have those apps, but they're way down deep. <laughs> right? I've been eating too bad for too long. I haven't been working out. I haven't been running. My wife tells me I should never shake my stomach in a little bit. <laughs> but I'm not too good at following rules most of the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm relating this physical body, this physical thing that happened to me in my life to our spiritual life. You see, God has showed me, he brought to my attention this morning, I was laying right here on the floor. First he had me pray at this altar, then I was laying here on the floor praying to him. I never want my relationship to be bad with God. I never want to back up like I did with the food, with God, in my spiritual life. But he let me know this morning, he brought to my attention this morning, that since we've taken this church, my relationship with him has suffered. And it's not that I'm doing anything wrong or that I'm sinning or anything, but when I was at Messenger Chapel, you see... I had a lot of time on my hands. Not a lot of time. I had a full-time job and seven kids in the whole nine yards that we have now. Didn't have a lot of times. I had more time than I have now. And I put my time into my relationship with God when I was reading my Bible, when I was going through my books and things, and when I was studying, and when I was praying. Right? And I still do that, but not as much as I was. I backed off a little bit, you see, because we've been working on the building. We've been working on sermons. We've been doing the things we've been doing. Are you following me? It's kind of the same things. And if we let off a little bit, we'll back up. And it's not that there's no shame in, in tripping or stumbling. The shame is if you don't get back up, if you don't do something about it. So now I'm either going to have to manage my time better. God's shown me. I have to manage my time better. I'm going to have to be more organized. Or I've got to cut some things out of my schedule. It's as simple as that. I've got to do something. But I cannot let my relationship with God take even a half a step backwards. I can't do that. No. I'm not satisfied with having a little God on the side. You get that? Are you satisfied with having a little God on the side? If that's you that we're talking, that God's talking to today, are you satisfied with that? He has to be the center of everything. He has to be the center of my life. He created the universe. Why shouldn't he be the center of it? If he created the universe, why can't I make it the center of it? He created the universe. He can speak things into existence. He healed Sister Clara's hand as well. Just like that. I've seen miracles happen almost daily basis in the last few weeks. Yes, Why can't I make him the center of my universe? Amen. He chose me to be in a relationship with him. After he can do all that, and he's that mighty, and he's God, and he chose you to be here today. You may think you're here because someone invited you, or because some freak thing, or because some chance. It's not. <laughs> the Bible says, he's, I shared with the young man I picked up this morning, that he chose you to be in a relationship with him, even before he formed the earth. Amen. Wrap your mind around that. Amen. Before he formed the earth, he chose you to be in a relationship with him. My first scripture today is in King James, Matthew 12, 43 through 45. <clears throat> it says, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, 
we all have unclean spirits, I think, don't we? Mine was alcohol, drugs, all the things that I was doing wrong. Has gone out of man, he walketh through dry places, through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Talking about the unclean spirit. The unclean spirit is walking through dry places. He's miserable. He's seeking rest. He's seeking refuge, refuge and he finds none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. Talking about the man, now he's going to go back into the man. And when, and when he has come, he findeth it empty. He found the man empty, swept and garnished. Anybody know what garnished means there? Yeah, set in place, ready to go, put in order. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man was worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. You get there that it doesn't say that man was a bad sinner. It doesn't say that man was doing anything wrong. It says that, that he was put in order. He was garnished or put in order, right? It doesn't say he was sinning. Maybe he was sitting idle. Maybe he was just too busy to be doing what God's word was telling him to do. To take that word and put it inside of him. And then he was in worse shape than he was when he started. Just like me, before I lost that 53 pounds, I was 235. Then I got back up to 240. Because I faltered and I slipped and I wasn't doing the things that I knew to do. The things that I had trained my body to do, I wasn't doing anymore. Right? We have to be getting into God's word and applying this word to our life Amen. daily. Not just on Sunday. Amen. Not just on Thursday. But every day. As we walk everywhere I go. When I'm on the assembly line at four, I have to be taking this word. I take this Bible with me about everywhere I go. This one or another one. Or I have my tablet or something that has a Bible and I'm reading, I'm studying all the time and putting things into my life. Now usually it's for a message and I have to get back to more of a personal thing. That is pretty personal, I guess, but I have to have something for myself. I have to be fed myself where I'm going with that. Um, our obedience is directly connected to our blessing. You get that? That's a big statement right there. Your obedience is directly connected to your blessings. You see, we're asking God for things all the time, right? We ask God. We come down here and pray for God. We raise our hands up and give prayer requests. Are we being obedient? Do we deserve the things we're asking for? Right. Are we in line with God's word? Amen. Who said it? One of, the, one of the authors of the Bible said that they, I think it was James, in James 5, I think it was now, says God honors the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. When he prays according to God's will. Of a righteous man, though. He needs to be a righteous man. Let's turn in real quick. This is the New English translation. Joshua 1, 8. I'll show you this in the Bible here. <coughs> the law scroll must not leave your lips. Right? In the King James, it says the, the law is right there. We're talking about must not leave your lips. You must memorize day and night so you can be careful to obey all that is written in it. What are they talking about there? We're talking about the Pentateuch. This is Joshua. This is the sixth book of the Bible, right? They only had five books before this that Moses has written. Correct? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There was five books. They only had that much of the Bible written for them at that period of time when they were alive on this earth. So he's saying these scrolls must not leave your lips. There was an ancient practice. They would recite scriptures over and over and over and over again so they would memorize them. Right? We still do the same thing today sometimes. But he's saying these must not leave your lips. You must memorize day and night so you can be careful to obey all that is written in them. If we're not reading God's word, how are we going to obey it? If we're not in a relationship with God, 
and we're listening, and it's not just his word, but it's the spirit also. If we're not listening to him and we're not reading his word, how are we going to obey? How are we going to know what's expected of them? My son would never know what's expected, what I expect of him, if I didn't tell him what he had to do. Right? If I didn't tell him to get this done or that done, or this is the standard that's in this household, if I didn't tell him those things, or if he never heard me say those things, how would he know what's expected of him? He'd be in trouble all the time. We're in trouble all the time. Because we're not in our word enough. We're not applying these things to our lives daily. It says, and it goes on to say here, then you will prosper and be successful. What's that say to you? When you're obedient, your obedience is directly connected to your blessing. Your obedience to God's word, the law. Right? And it's not about a law. It's about a relationship. But it's really about bringing that a little bit of thing. Um, Psalms 119.11, you don't have to turn there. Thy word says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. David's saying the same thing there as this this scripture says. He's He's hiding God's word into his heart. He's memorizing it. When's the last time we read our Bible outside of church? Think about this sometimes. I'm not trying to get anybody to do this. what God gave me. How would I know what I'm supposed to do or ingest or put into my life without his word? Let me give you the definition for obedience real quick. Obedience. This is the Bible dictionary definition of obedience. It's carrying out the word and will of another person. (coughs) The word and the will of another person. Especially the will of God. In both Old and New Testaments, the word obey is related to the idea of hearing. It's related to hearing. You get that? It's related. You're hearing the word right now. And it's related to this, but it's what you do with it next that makes you obedient. It goes on to say, it's related to the idea of hearing. Obedience is a positive, active response (coughs) to what a person hears. Do you respond to God's word? Is it a positive response you're having to God's word? Or are you saying, oh, that preacher said that again to me and i got to straighten up and i got to do this and that. Is that your reaction? Is that a positive reaction? Or do you take God's word and you embrace it and you say, yes, God, I know this is your word. I know this is an infallible word. And I know that your word is true. It's wrong. I mean, it's right and I'm wrong. Because when it comes down to God's word, it's always right. When God says it, you can take it to the bank. Amen. So when you hear God's word and it, it uh, convicts you, We have to change things up then. We should be hungry for that. Not only obedient to the word, but the spirit, the Holy Ghost, our inward witness. You see, some people might call it your conscience. It's your spirit. The Bible says the spirit of God speaks to you through your spirit. And then you have to choose to correct your mind according to that little voice down there. That's your choice to make. You can... God gave us all a free will. If he didn't give us a free will, he might have let us kept the angels. He gave us all a free will to do whatever we want to do, and he's not going to accept those boundaries. You see, the word is kind of a broad thing. It's detailed in a sense, but everyone can read the word, and it may mean something different than you to me, right? And we can apply that to our life. But when the Spirit speaks to me, that is to me. Yes. And that is personal. So we have to follow both these things. One's broad and one's al- not broad it's just brought in a sense, I guess. It's written to everyone. But the Word, when the Spirit of God speaks a word to me, and it has to, it has to go along with the Word in the book, right? His written Word. But it is specific, and He's specifically speaking it to me. He's specifically speaking it to you. Yeah. So if God says, Brother Stephen, go down here and do this. Buy this person a Bible, or, or do this or do that. 
think about that. What happens if you don't obey God in that sense there? He'll get someone else to do it. We have to get back. Sometimes it's convictions and commitments. You know, the Spirit convicts us of something. Are you following me? Sometimes the Spirit convicts us of something. Or we make a commitment to do something. And then we start backing out on it. We have that one Big Mac. Because I want to get full. And it looks tempting. Are you following me here? Just speaking to anybody? Because it sure spoke to me. We have to get back to our commitments and convictions. Or we'll get out of shape. Just like that food did me. We can try something out. It may not even be sin. It may be something that keeps me busy. But I can try it out once. And I didn't see any immediate results. Everything looked like it was still intact. But then I become more and more comfortable with it. Maybe it's a commitment. Maybe I've committed to come to church every time. But pretty soon I need to miss on a Thursday because this is going on or that. And then pretty soon, once I've missed once, now I'm a little more comfortable with it. Okay, I can miss. Nothing really happened to me. And I'm, I'm keeping my kids out of church. They're laying out of church too. What, what am I saying to them? Are you following me? And we get desensitized to it. And then pretty soon it's not no big deal. Now I'm hitting miss in the church. And, and then pretty soon I've fallen away and I'm back to 240 pounds. Are you following me? Yes. So it's about convictions and commitments a lot of times. We need to get back to those. If God has spoken something to you that you need to be doing, you need to be doing it. Amen. And if you fall into that thing, if you slip a little bit, <laughs> you tripped in it, and you've gotten away from it, then go back to God. Apologize to him for that thing. Ask him for forgiveness, and he'll be happy to forgive you. He loves you. Yes, he does. He wants you to own every promise in this book here. Yes, he wants us to, but we have to be obedient. Our obedience is directly connected to our blessings. Yes, correct. Part of obedience is waiting on God. His timing. Not my timing. You know, a lot of times we go through trials to learn patience. But also, I might get mad at God. Not me. I, I can't say that I've ever personally been mad at God, but I hear it all the time. Someone's mad at God or someone's upset about God because they prayed about this and this happened or this happened to them or they lost this loved one or whatever. God knows the whole plan. He hasn't showed us the whole thing. He hasn't revealed to us the whole thing. James 1, 22 through 26, baby, says, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So if you're hearing this word, you're not applying to yourself, you're not applying it to your life, you're deceived. You're deceived. You're in trouble. You may be headed to hell if you're not obeying God. That's strong words right there. Truth. But it's true. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. So if a man looks into a mirror, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth the manner of man he was. So he looks into the mirror and he sees himself and he studies himself out. And he, as soon as he walks off, he forgets what he looked like. Uh, whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty or freedom and continueth therein, he beeth not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. This man shall be blessed in his deeds or in his works. You see what he's saying here? It's directly connected. The two things are directly connected. Your obedience and your blessing are connected, he's saying here. So if you hear the word and then you do the word, how's our faith come? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, right? How's your faith grow? Well, you hear that Word, you do that Word. You apply it to your life. Sometimes it's our tongues. You see, he was talking about being obedient there. Sometimes it's our tongues or our attitudes. 
or gossip. Sometimes a bad attitude or gossip will quench the Spirit of God. Then he's not moving in our life. Pretty soon it might rub off on the church, and now he's not moving in the church. He moves in our church wonderfully every time we have a service here. And that's awesome. I don't mean to say that's happening in our church, but it could happen. And we need to take note of that. I'm reading the ISV now, James 1, 14 through 15. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. It's vain. It's for nothing. Instead, each person is tempted by his own desire. Get that right there? That's big. You're tempted by your own desire. What you desire to do. In obedience, you have to do some things first. When you start lifting weights and stuff to start with, guess what? It's hard and it's rough and it burns and it hurts and it ain't no fun. But after you do it for a while, it ain't no big deal. Then you just get up every day and you're trying to get somebody else to go with you. You follow me? So when you're doing these things for a while, this is what you desire to do. Being lured and trapped by it. Go ahead, baby. When that desire becomes pregnant, it gives birth to sin. So when we have a desire, when we have a thought, when we have a temptation, when we act on that thing, or when we keep meditating on those things, Jesus says even, when we keep meditating on that thought, when we, when we <coughs> entertain it, it gives birth to sin. And when sin grows up, it gives birth to death. Yeah. So our obedience is directly tied to... What? <laughs> You know what it's tied to? It's tied to our, our uh, I have it in my notes here, blessings. It's tied to our blessings. I just had a, a little gap in my brain there. <laughs> food didn't, I didn't notice any difference in the food immediately or sudden weight gain. You get what I'm saying here? It took a while to do that. I keep have to keep beating that into you because we can, we can mess up a little bit in the sin and we think, well, that was no big deal. And then we dabble a little bit more, and we dabble a little bit more, and the next thing we know, we're back where we was at, but we're worse off, just like the man with the demon. The Word will put you, will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from the Word. Think about that. Remember that. The Word, God's Word, will either keep you from sin, or sin, dabbling in other things, doing other things because I'm too busy to read this Word. Sin will keep you from the Word, or the Word will keep you from the sin. It's up to you. You have to make a choice in that. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first, actually she has it in the voice here, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So the first thing we should be doing, our number one priority, is seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, being righteous like God, and if we're obedient to this word, we'll be righteous. And then all these things will be added unto you. And he's talking about all of your needs, your all of your physical needs that you have. Go ahead with 34, babe. This is the one I read that one for. So do not worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Living faithfully is a large enough task for today. Living faithfully to God's word is a large enough task for today. A large enough on its own. This is all I have to do is concentrate today on reading my word, applying it to my life, listening to the spirit of God. So often I lean on my own understanding or reasoning. We do. All of us do, I think. Reason or understanding. I'll do it myself. How am I going to do this? How am I going to figure it out? My understanding is natural, though. His understanding is supernatural. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen after church today. I don't know what's going to happen during the altar call. God already knows. He already knows all these things. Think about David in the Old Testament. 
David wouldn't have fought Goliath if he'd have leaned on his own understanding. How would have history been changed if he didn't do that, if he wasn't listening to God? You see, he went out and did a big, scary thing. He was a boy. He had a boy. It said he was a young, skinny, skinny man, and he went out and fought a giant that was 10 feet tall with a slingshot. And Goliath had armor and a sword and a helmet and all that stuff. He was a battle-hardened soldier. He wouldn't have done that if he would have been relying on his own understanding. But he, God, God's the one that showed him to do that. Noah wouldn't have built build an ark in the middle of the desert. Think about that. If he hadn't listened to God, he wouldn't, or relied on his owners. And you see, people made fun of Noah. They thought he was nuts. He preached for 100 years, and no one even listened to him. God told him once. Let's talk about obedience right here. God told him, it says one time in the Bible, to build an ark, gave him all the specifications. Now, we're talking about a boat that probably took up two acres. That's three, three stories high, right? Amen. He told this man this one time. The Bible's all I can find in the Bible, it says. He worked on it for 130 years. The whole time, people were making fun of him. The whole time, I'm sure his own family was ridiculing him, outside of his immediate family. It says his wife, his sons, and their daughters are the only ones that got on the boat with him. Everyone else was destroyed. Everyone and everything else was drowned in the flood besides what got the ark with Noah. If he had been relying on his own understanding, or if he, if he hadn't been obedient to God... We may not be sitting here. Obedience. It's all about our obedience. We might acknowledge God in some areas, yet ignore or restrict Him in others. I think we're really good at doing this as Christians. Yes. We think a lot of times we think we're high and mighty because we're acknowledging God in a few areas of our life, Amen. and He's building us up there. But we're restricting Him others. We don't give Him everything. Right. Just me and you, brother David. I guess. Right. <laughs> We need to always be willing to listen, to be corrected. Are you willing to be corrected today? Are you willing to change things? We need to hunger. We need to want to change. Change just like when you first came to God. You came here looking for a change. I'm not good enough right now. I'll tell you that. I'm not good enough. I need to continue to get better. Each and every person sitting here when you came to God or when you came to church for the first time, you came because you weren't happy with your life the way it was. I wasn't happy with my life the way it was. There was something else there. There was something I was needing. There was something missing inside of me. I tried to fill it with drugs and whatever else there was. But the, when it was all said and done, the money and the, and the drugs was gone and the void was still there. Yeah, never we all came looking for something when we came to God. Amen. Right? Yes. Amen. So why do we want to restrict him? We need to get back to that point when he's not enough. There, there's just not enough of God. I need to keep filling God in there. Remember how we were at that time? We would have, we changed. We were, we were hungry for change. But then we get so far along a lot of times, and we think, well, I'm good enough now. God straightened me up. I'm off the dope. But are you really good enough? Do you really need change? The Bible says you're being perfected. That's what the Bible says. So I need to continue to strive for change. I need to continue to want change. I need to be praying. I need to use my Bible for a guide. I need to be listening to the Spirit. And changing all those things. Following His leading. In every way of my life. Obedience prepares us to receive and enjoy what God has planned for us. Amen. You see, he's chosen us to be in a relationship even before he formed the earth. And he planned for me to be in this relationship. Obedience to this word right here entitles me to every promise in this book. That's right. Are you getting that? There's over 3,000 promises in this book. I think 3,300 something in this book that God wants you to have. You may say, those, those things aren't happening in my life. Well, it's not because God doesn't want you to have them. Think about this. Because we're not, we're not taking advantage of them. We're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. 
if God didn't want you to have one, you think he'd have sent his son here to die on a cross? A rugged cross like that, take a beating like that? If he didn't want you to have those promises? It wasn't that he put them out there and said, all right, you can have them if you want them. He wants you to have them. He wants to give them to you. He's not going to force them on you because you have a free will. But he desperately wants you to have these things. He's provided everything that you'll ever need the rest of your life. You see, there's not one day that you're going to live on this earth. He knows the beginning from the end. There's not one day you're going to live on this earth that he doesn't already know what's going to happen. He hasn't already provided everything. He's already stored it up for you. He's already put it in the bank for you. All you have to do is come to know him. Be obedient to him. Do the word. Do the word. Humble yourself and get in this body of Christ here. Get in this body, the church, and be your part of your body. Be obedient. God's called us all here to do a job. And we all need to be obedient to those jobs. We need to be stepping out. Even if it seems like a little thing. Even if it seems like a big thing. I can't step across there, God. I can't step out there on that water, God. But if you ask him to call you out of the boat, didn't he call Peter out? Yes. He called Peter out of the boat and he walked out until Peter did what? He took his eyes off. Peter took his eye off God. That's right. When he took his eye off, he sank. He couldn't do it on his own. Guess what? We're the same as Peter is. He's called each and every one of us to be here this day. He's chose us to be in a relationship with him. Can I get every head bowed at this time and every eye closed? Church, if this is you, repent. That's all I can say about that. Let's repent. Let's get right with God. Let's get in one mind and one accord. Let's get things right, things right with our maker. Not, not saying that you're sinning. I, I didn't necessarily feel like I was sinning. But I might not have been putting all the time into it that I could have. I need, I need to trim off the fat, so to say. If you're here and you don't know God as your personal Savior, you may have been asked if you were saved before. I need to tell you today what being saved is and what you're being saved from. You're being saved from the second death, the Bible says. You're being saved from the second death, the Bible says. Death is the separation of